If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big O no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O no's, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. It's almost here. Super Bowl 54, the one Kansas City has awaited for 50 years, is Sunday in South Florida. Chiefs versus 49ers. The game is on Fox and kickoff is around 5.30 p.m. Central Time. Hey, it's Saturday, February 1st, and we bring you the final pregame Sportsbeat KC presented by Big O Tires. This one originated as a Facebook Live on Friday, but you get the folks who have been bringing you the best Chiefs coverage all season. Columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian, writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, and me, Blair Kirkhoff, talk Super Bowl and what it's going to take for the Chiefs to bring home the Vince Lombardi trophies. Hope you enjoy. I can remember when uh, I was a kid and watched the old Jackie Gleason show, on, I think it was on Saturday nights, and it would start by uh, the camera panning in over the water to the Miami skyline, and Jackie would say, welcome to the greatest city in the world, Miami Beach. Well, we're not at Miami Beach. <laughs> <laughs> we're in Hollywood. And they didn't, if you pan over the water, you'd be panning over a swimming pool here. But that's not bad. And uh, we're happy to be here on Red Zone Extra, Facebook Live, talking Chiefs, Super Bowl, with the gang, Sam Mellinger, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope. And because someone has to do the work, Pete Gradhoff is here monitoring the Facebook law. Supervised. Throwing the ball. So, hey, you guys know the drill. We, we want to we're gonna talk Chiefs Super Bowl uh, game against the 49ers, but we want you to talk about the game with us. So send us your, send us your question and comments, and uh, we'll get to as many as we can. So uh, I think we should start by addressing, I think, the elephant in the room here. Some of us dressed for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sam McDowell comes. The shirt's okay, but, but the pants, the shoes. I have uh, no flip-flops, but I don't think... Look, Mellinger, either. Mellinger goes all in by going barefoot to make to make up for the rest. So Strategic error when I pack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to admit that up front. All right. All right. <laughs> That's a show. Yeah. <laughs> they have matching pants, though. Yeah, looks, sort of. Looks okay. Looks okay. It's enough. So, day six here at the um, at the Super Bowl Star Compound, and um, and well, it's been uh, it's been quite a quite a stay so far. We got a few more days to go because we have the Super Bowl on Sunday. All right. That's right. It's, yeah. That's what we're here. This is actually the first morning that we have not been talking to Chiefs players, coaches and administrators that happened earlier this week this is the first time this week we haven't had that so we have time to do this and happy to do it but let's uh what did what did we what did we find out about the chiefs this week that we didn't know after winning the afc championship game i you know i remember asking you guys after they beat the titans for the afc title would the chiefs be a you know, would they be a tight team first super bowl appearance in 50 years would they be um you know 
just sort of not ready for prime time. But the sense I got talking to everybody this week is, you know, kind of business as usual for the Chiefs. What do you think? I, I feel like that. Um, and I feel like, uh, in addition to the fact that the Stars learned that Andy Reid once once coached the, uh, a team to the Super Bowl. Wait. Yeah. Wait, what? I didn't want to drop that in right away. But this is sort of, I, I will bring in on sort of an inside joke. One of the things that happens on Super Bowl week is there is, it's not too much access for us, but it's probably too much access for them. And, and that's because there's waves of people coming in from literally all over the world. And everybody's got notebooks and uh, whatever you do with cameras to fill. And uh, the questions tend to get a little redundant. And probably the most asked question, I think, of Andy Reid this week had something to do with along the lines of what, what he learned from coaching the Super Bowl before. Did he remember being in the Super Bowl before, et cetera? So we sort of had a, uh, some bets going yesterday about how quickly the question would come up. And actually, it didn't come up yesterday. For the first time, I think, in his. Is that right? Yeah, yeah it, it didn't come up. The second most asked question, correct me if I'm wrong, but should Eric Bieniemy be a head coach? Yeah. Number two? I yeah. think that's right. I think that's right. He said yes. He said yes. Eric <laughs> Shockingly. Same as he said week eight, week nine. <laughs> <laughs> and as NFL jobs are getting filled every time. But as we all know, it's a new audience this week. Hopefully, even right here on Facebook Live, it's a little a new, audience. new audience. <laughs> yep. Just yep. Right? <laughs> Hey, um, so one thing, one thing I heard that I think we all assumed this week, but I, I guess I never heard Patrick Mahomes say it, that he wants to be a chief forever, yeah, chief for the rest of his NFL career. We weren't surprised by that, were we? Um, no, I, I feel like he's said that before. Maybe not like in those exact words, but I feel like he's given that impression at least, and he will be. You know, I mean, like, think about... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the only like sort of upper echelon quarterback who has played for two teams is Drew Brees, right? Pay, and, pay, and that's a Manning, active, okay. current, Kurt, yeah. Um, and Peyton Manning was a different deal. Um, Drew Brees. I mean, th those are all like specific sort of rare circumstances. This isn't baseball, you know. Like if Patrick Mahomes was like, if the Royals had a center fielder as good as Patrick Mahomes, he's gone. <laughs> um, and, and, and Carlos Beltran is our. Yes. Example of that. Yes, Lorenzo Cain too. Yep. Um, you know, but the Chiefs can afford him. They can pay him more. And um, and why the hell would he not want to stay in Kansas City, where he's got that coach and those receivers and that tight end? That'll work. That was, That's a show. That's, that, was, <laughs> that was part of our conversation last night. How the NFL was so different than yeah. other sports. And that. And, and I thought, Herbie, you were there for Roger Goodell's press conference this week, and he was asked about Patrick Mahomes. I thought his answer was kind of enlightening. It was obvious, but enlightening at the same time when he said hey, it's just great to have Patrick Mahomes anywhere in the NFL. And that's so true because market size matters less in the NFL. Witness the Chiefs, you know, having, a, you know, winning the AFC and not being from, you know, New York or L.A. or, you know, a major market. That happens in football where it's more difficult to happen in other sports. Yeah, and then when you think about quarterbacks in small markets, the first one that comes to my mind is Aaron Rodgers or even Brett Favre in Green Bay. But this is the effect that Patrick Mahomes has not just on Kansas City, but now you go beyond the borders. We're talking the entire National Football League. And Clark Hunt talked to us on Tuesday, and he's now talking about the international appeal. Something to remember about Patrick Mahomes. He now owns the top-selling jersey in the National Football League. Sells more than Mr. Tom Brady and everyone else around the league. But, he, yeah, I agree with Sam. He's not going anywhere. If he does happen to go anywhere, then, then the Chiefs need to take a hard look at themselves and how they let this guy get away. Everybody's getting fired. Yeah, it's, it's just not going to happen. I just can't see that happening. 
Here's, you know, and then what's gonna be very interesting is the size of the contract. And I know we all joking, jokingly say $300 million man and $200 million quarterback. The, the highest paid quarterback and the highest paid player in the National Football League is Russell Wilson in Seattle. He's making $140 million. He signed that contract extension uh, last summer, but it, it was for $140 million. So now it's like, where does Patrick Mahomes fit in that? And when we look at highest paid salaries, it's always a moving scale. Mahomes might become the highest paid player, but someone behind him is going to reset the bar. And it's, what do you pay the guy? I like what Greg Jennings told me uh, on Radio Row when I asked him about that, because uh, I would specifically look for him because he played for Favre and Rodgers, and he calls Mahomes a generational type quarterback, a guy who can do things that we just don't see that often. And he says, hey, he, he invoked Teddy KGB from Rounders. He said, pay that man. Pay that man his money. All right, Brian LaBerge uh, wants to know if this is Big O Tire South. Yeah? Sure. Okay. Yep, it is. It absolutely is. And uh, Henry Ortman wants to know where the babes in the bikinis are. Uh, they're on the other side of the camera. Uh, <laughs> Colin, you, uh, yeah, you've identified the no shorts Sams. Good, good, uh, good idea. Uh, Larry Looper, good to hear from you again, as always. Uh, you're right, NFL revenue sharing makes it easier to keep stars. Yeah, would you like to be the general manager that lost Patrick Mahomes? The answer, of course, is no. Nah. You know, it's, this reminds me of something from, from our little session with Brett Veach, the general manager, the other day. We got talking about the, sort of the Mahomes effect, but really the, the Chiefs getting to this point and becoming a more appealing team for free agents. And Brett just started laughing because, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll become so appealing sooner or later we'll probably run out of money. Yeah. I was like, huh. Yeah. And I, I, but, I, but I think that it, it was playful, but I think it's telling to what the, the, the magnet that the Chiefs perceive themselves to be with what they've done the last year or two with Patrick. I think with a, a new sense of identity around the NFL and around the country, I, 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 I'm sure also Andy is a guy that players, guys want to play for. You add all that up, they're, they're going to be a pretty attractive target for free agents. That's going to happen, by the way. I mean, I don't know how far we want to get into this right now, but like they're going to run out of money. They're yeah. going to have like space in the 20s, and just Chris Jones's raise, just to the yeah. franchise tag, takes up most of that. Travis Kelsey's going to want more money. Patrick Mahomes is going to get a raise of about $38 million, <laughs> you know, something like that. I mean, they're, they're going to, that's one of those good problems. You know, right, the steel right. line, you, you're using rounders, I'll use the wire. That's one of them good problems to have. Um, but it's it's going to be an issue. We've written a lot of stories since we've been down here. Yes, we have. And, um, <laughs> and there's more to come, yeah. much more to come in the print editions of the Kansas City Star and online at KansasCity.com. But I want to I want to single out a couple of them, uh, a couple of deep dives that we have done this week or that are going to appear. Let, let's start, Herbie, with... Uh, Tyreek Hill, really interesting. Uh, we had more uh, we had more interview time with Chiefs players this week than we have during the season. It's just collectively an hour and 15 minutes a day, basically, for, for three or four days. And so you got to talk to Tyreek Hill, and, and we really didn't talk much with Tyreek during the season. But he, for the first time, I believe this is right, at least to us, he talked about his contract extension. What else did you learn about Tyreek? We all know what Tyreek Hill has been through over the last year, uh, even when he, before he entered the National Football League. And so I posed a, a thought-provoking, well, I thought it was a thought-provoking question to him, and what he gave me was, was pretty darn good. And I basically asked him, Tyreek Hill, if, if you could go back in time, if you had a time machine and, and you could tell a younger version of yourself what to expect to advance in life, what would it be? 
And, and instead of just immediately blurting out an answer, he, he leaned back in his chair, paused for a second, and then he, he leaned forward and was like, he would go back to the 11th grade. Because in 11th grade, he said he was skipping school, he wasn't listening to his elders, and he was telling them, he said, you, you could have been the most talented player in the history of the state of Georgia. And he wanted to go back to that time and say, you got to do all these things. You got to go to school. You got to pay attention to your education and you have to listen to your elders because that's going to set you up in life. And had he done that, he would not have experienced everything that he has in his life. And I, and I just found that so compelling because he understands everything that has happened and how it has affected him. As far as the contract extension goes, he said um, he was very happy about that, that the Chiefs had faith in him. He knew that he was going to play last year, even though everything that was going on around him, he said he never... He, he knew that he would play, and he didn't want to let the Chiefs down because the Chiefs showed him faith, and he wants to take care of his kids. He has three kids now, his son and then the twins. And it, was, it was pretty good. Three years, uh, $54 million. Yep. That was That was the deal, right? Yeah. Um, look, we'll, we'll get to our Where the Rubber Meets the Road segment toward the end, but he, I, he looms as a pretty important player in this game, just as a, you know, as a primary weapon, as he does every week, but... I mean, uh, against this tough 49ers defense. And we will also get to uh, breaking down the game here a little bit, too. Another one that uh, that's going to appear uh, later today, we hope, online <laughs> at KansasCity.com uh, involves Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you may have heard of him. Uh, quarterback, where's number 15 for the Chiefs? Sam McDowell, uh, you went to White House, Texas, to talk to, uh, to, to, talk to some of the, the, the friends of... Uh, Patrick, or Patrick Mahomes growing up. What tell us about that story? Patrick is is definitely a, a highly respected guy there, and it would. I mean, these guys knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to turn into this, and of course, the best athlete in town. I think probably all of us experienced this growing up. You always say, "Well, well, that guy's special," or you mean that's the best athlete yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, so you can sort of pick somebody out and say, "Hey, maybe this guy's got a shot." But what really stuck out to these guys was his personality was different. You know, somebody told a story about how, in, and, and Eric Adler, another reporter, and I went, uh, Eric, he went with me, I should say that. Somebody said, you know, he was nine, ten years old and, and getting up in front of his Little League baseball team, giving them speeches after a coach had chewed them out and saying, hey guys, everything's going to be okay, we're fine. And he just has sort of a resiliency about him that I think is the reason he's here. You know, we all know what he experienced injury-wise this year. Um, he hasn't had, I, I don't think, a, a ton of adversity, but it's just the way he handles moments in his life, whether it's losses, things that don't go well, or even whether it's things that do go well that he sort of ignores and, and pushes aside and moves on to the next thing. So um, White House is definitely a unique place. I mean, I, I know Vahe and Sam have also been there. It's only a town of 8,000. Now, he grew up actually in, in Tyler, Texas. Uh, that, that's a suburb, uh, borders White House there. but. There's a lot of athletes that come out of that place as small as it is. So it's not shocking that NFL players come from there. In fact, Patrick Mahomes played one high school game with five NFL players in the game, <laughs> um, despite going to a high school of, uh, in a town of 8,000 people. So I guess that, that's kind of the gist of it, but uh, go ahead and click anyway. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like one thing about Patrick, like the, the story about like giving him a hype speech when he's nine or 10 in Little League, it's impossible to know, like, is he able to do that? And, and that's why things work out for him? Or do things work out for him just because he's so talented and he's able to do that? You know what I mean? Like, sure. it's just like a, a different level of just athletic, I always use the term that Vic Fangio, right? Like athletic arrogance that 
he knows everything's gonna work out for him just because it always has, and he's so freaking talented. So that just kind of lifts everybody up. It's a hell of a thing. I love that point. I love that point, yeah. right? It, but it is a chicken and egg thing. I, I, you don't know. Does he sort of? Does he sort of created that? You know, because of his persona, or you know, he's he's just kind of ridden with it all along. It's 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 really fascinating. I'm, I can't wait to read the story. His, his trainer said to that point that he just has an underlying security about him that he always knows everything's going to be fine. Security, that's a good word. Yep. And uh, he's a good player. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to throw that in. You want to see a few more games? <laughs> you know, that's another thing we picked up on this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this has been asked, but is Patrick uh, Mahomes good? And, and uh, Vahe, you uh, you got a deep dive on on the coach. Yeah, on Andy on Andy Reid. Just trying to um, get at a few things about Andy, but really, it's sort of Andy. Um, Andy, for lack of a better term, I'm not even sure this will end up as a term in the story, but it, the, the, sort of the servant leader concept of Andy. I mean, Andy is a very giving person. There's a reason, you know, one of the things we've written about a little bit in the last few weeks is that a lot of people want to see Andy Reid win this. And some of that's just sort of the general sentiment of the guy who's been around a while and hasn't gotten it. But also, Andy's touch is all over the NFL. Uh, it's in sort of the Andy Reid tree. Uh, it's it's in guys he doesn't even know that well that that look to him as a mentor or you know, people that he have take he's taken the time to help. We might have mentioned this on this um, very show, another edition of this very show previously. But one of the things that is uh, uh, has stood out to me over the years is uh, the last time Andy uh, was in a Super Bowl, as his guest, he had a, a, a University of Missouri former player of his. Um, come to the game as, as he was dying of brain cancer. And Andy was on the phone with him for something like an hour uh, the night before one of the key games late in the season. We don't know that story because Andy tells us that story. We know that story because others tell us that story. And there's, there's a lot of those sorts of things there. But what we mostly see is his you know, sort of humble and, and low-key face. But I, so more than, uh, more than you wanted to know, maybe. But uh, that's the sort of stuff I'm trying to work on no, that's here. That's good. No, that's good stuff. Jermaine Grigsby wants to know if Shady McCoy will play in the game. <laughs> Are you asking me because I do the inactives? We, Are you asking we, for we, debated, we debated this a couple days ago. We did. Yeah. Wait till they uncoil him in overtime of the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's, right. That's what they've been saving him yes, for. Load management. Yeah, Save him for the Super Bowl. Managed. I think the guess here is probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's probably. fresh. Fresh <laughs> legs. That's <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about the game a little bit. And what... And about these 49ers, that's one thing. We've spent so much time with the Chiefs. We haven't talked to the, uh, the way it works here. The Chiefs interviews have been in the morning early, really early, like <laughs> 7 a.m. Central time. And the 49ers are late in the evening, like it's 6 o'clock um, you know, here in Miami. So it's been difficult to actually it's not difficult to get to both, but the traffic makes it difficult to, to get right. to both. So let's go with that. But. What, what what kind of challenge does the San Francisco 49ers, a team that the Chiefs played in week three in the preseason, played in week three, I think, of the regular season, 2018, I think it was the home opener, what, what, what's, the, what's the biggest fear that the Chiefs should have from this 49ers team, Herbie? <laughs> Simple, the running game. Yeah. I, I think when you look at this 49ers team, what they've been able to do during their playoff run, two straight games, more than 100-plus yards, and combined in those two straight games, 400-plus yards and six touchdowns, and they have a three-headed running back attack. Tevin Coleman suffered a, a, a separated shoulder in the, the, the NFC Championship game, but he has practiced. You know, he's, he's been limited in the last couple of days. 
So it looks like they project to have that three-headed monster, and that's, that's something that the Chiefs have to be aware of. We, we talked about this before we came to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs players discussed it, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting to note because they did install at least close to 100% of the game plan before they came here. So, and the Chiefs players before they left were, were mentioning that they, the 49ers have a dynamic run game that they have to be aware of. And that, to me, is the biggest concern. To your point about them having the early practice, uh, excuse me, media session, I think it works well for them because if it's 7 a.m. Central Time, that's pretty much what their schedule is. They had their meetings in the morning, they had a one-hour distraction dealing with us, but now they're able to go right into practice. So they were able to keep some kind of routine. Tight ends coach Tom Melvin told me yesterday that that was huge for them because they didn't have to do everything in practice at night. Yeah, the morning schedule worked out well for the Chiefs. And, and they got to pick one of those slots, right? They could have picked the early morning or the late afternoon, early evening. They decided, because they were the home team this AFC, year. Yep. 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 So that it did work out well for them. The Dolphins have really hooked the Chiefs up. Hey, another, we'll, we'll continue on with the um, with the 49ers scout, but one, the other thing I thought about uh, that I wanted to get to was we had this discussion uh, this week, too. Players who have joined the Chiefs during the season who have contributed in pretty big ways, including one starter on the offensive line and pretty big, pretty key player on the defensive front, too. Let's, let's t- chat about this for a second. Guys like Stefan Wisniewski, what a, what a contribution this guy's made this year. I mean, so, so impressive that he's moved Andrew Wiley out of the starting lineup. The thing that jumps out to me was I asked Tyron Matthew about him. I asked him, like, and a, thought, it was, a thought-provoking question to Tyron Matthew? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. And he immediately said, underrated signing. And I wasn't actually specifically asking him about Wisniewski. I was asking him about Mike Pinnell, and, and I just happened to mention Wisniewski, and he just immediately jumped in and said, underrated, underrated signing. And, and when you think about what Wisniewski has done, he, he gives that team experience. He gives that team Super Bowl experience because he played on the Eagles championship team. He's tough, he's nasty, and then when, when talking to this guy, all he talks about is he loves contact. He loves hitting defensive players. He's, I think his exact quote, there's nothing like putting your hands on someone and driving them backwards. And that's a nasty attitude that the Chiefs, I don't think, had earlier in the year yeah. in the interior, and he's bringing it. And most of the players love him. Darwin Thompson calls him uh, an old-school type of guy you'll see playing in the mud. And Damian Williams was saying that when you watch him pregame, it's amazing watching him because he's away from everyone else and he's going full speed, even in individual warm-ups. And he says, when you see that, that's the guy you want to run behind. To me, that to me, that's that's a key uh, matchup in this game, even as much as the, the 49ers running game is. Their defensive line is great. The Chiefs' pass protection in the two playoff games has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, partly, I think, because Wisniewski has been plugged into the lineup, but the 49ers have a lot of weapons on the defensive line. Of course, everybody here knows D Ford. Um, but Bose is a hell of a player, and they've got a couple guys on the on the opposite end too. That I, I think that's going to be that's going to be tough to to contain those guys on Sunday. They're starting defensive four. The 49ers will finish the year with 48 sacks. They're starting front four, 33 of them. So yeah, they can get after the quarterback. Okay, the other the other couple significant one, really significant ones, are on the defensive line. One inside, one outside. Pinnell and uh, and T Suggs. T. Sizzle. T. Sizzle, thank you very much. Uh, just so happened to I be believe, there. I believe he went to school at Ball So Hard University. <laughs> I'll have to double check that. But. Um, two big acquisitions for, for the Chiefs. Stephen Fisher's right, so I've got to be 
got to be help playing against the 49ers this year. Yeah. So, Pinnell, the, the attributes you spoke to of Wisniewski, I think both of those guys bring to the defensive side. The defensive side, toughness, strength. Pinnell's got to be the strongest guy on the team. That guy's a beast. And um, well, he's got he's got beast tattooed on his <laughs> on his legs. <laughs> he does. Um, and, and then Sug. So. <laughs> That's the slowest airplane. <laughs> no, it's totally. <laughs> <laughs> At least it doesn't say anything about Scott Field. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're trying to get in our shot. Is that company sponsoring us now, too? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, I spoke to T Subs a little bit this week, and, um, uh, you know, there was just some question about when. when Kansas City and met Andy Reid and you know it, this is I, I think this is also speaks to the strength of Andy Reid and the skill of Andy Reid convincing him to come here and help us out he's, he's done exactly that you know one other point it's sort of enmeshed in all this but it also reflects uh, Brett Veach and his staff always having their head on a swivel to, to keep keep bringing in depth keep looking keep looking you can always get better you can always get better and um, it, it those two those guys we've just mentioned that, that they brought in I mean that we don't know what the, the thing is that may or may not give them the edge but they're they're better equipped to win this game because of that and 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 that's a reflection of the alertness and resourcefulness of, of that staff there is like uh, I always think about this too like uh the run defense was horrendous early in the year, right? They gave mm -hmm. up 190 yards per game in a, in a four-game four stretch, weeks two through five or whatever it was. It's a different run defense now. You know, I'm not saying they're like a top five run defense by any stretch, but it's not, they're better now than they are statistically over the whole season. And, and those two guys are a huge part of that, obviously. But I, I also think about, look, like sometimes luck and preparation have to meet, right? The, the, the amount of, just dumb luck dominoes that had to fall for them to get Suggs is incredible because they only they, they jumped up the waiver wire because of that loss in Tennessee, which Pinnell didn't play for some uh -huh. weird reason. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then so they're able to get him when all the teams behind him, it was Baltimore, it was San Francisco, um, I'm forgetting a couple, they, they, they put in claims for him as well. Seattle. Seattle. And then, so so Kansas City gets the first crack at him, gets him on the team, and then they get the first round by anyway. The and day after Ogbo went out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's just an amazing... It's actually just uncanny. I mean, for, for, for an organization that has been defined in a lot of ways, they've had their own failings, but a lot of bad luck yeah. <laughs> as well. To, to have, and over and over again, all the injuries, now they're healthy. They're, you know, except for the guys that have been out for the year, Thornhill, Ogba, Okafor. But, I mean, they're, they're pretty much completely healthy. It's just it's a long line of, of, of fortunate breaks that they've had. You're making me think of this, too. I mean, and, and maybe it'll be something we look back at with just, you know, more precision and, and go all in on. But everything, the nature of everything that changed, that's the last time they lost, that Tennessee game. Yeah. How much that loss benefited them in the end? Yeah, it's crazy. Even, there's, you can look at it many different ways, but would they have beaten, would they have been equipped to beat Tennessee when they faced them in the playoffs, yeah. had they not had that experience of dealing with them before, or I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of endless loops here you can go into, but it, but I think that's a that's a heck of a point. All the dominoes that fell from that. Yeah. To, to the point about some of those under or under the radar type signs during the midseason, there are two names I thought should also be included in that. Damone Harris, who they signed off of the Ravens 
practice squad because he's been able to help them on the rotation on the edges there. And don't forget about Spencer Ware. Good call. Beginning of December, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, both hurt. They signed Spencer Ware. He's a plug-and-play option against the Patriots. Helps him get that win until he gets hurt. But yep. I, I thought those the other two there are pretty good. Smart point, yep. Um, let's see. Uh, Ryan Edwards wants to know if Vahe's about to throw a no-look pass to Herbie. <laughs> he did it a couple days ago. Yep. If, we, if we had he the, practiced it. the uh, real-world camera out here the other day, we would have seen a, a no-look completion, no completion to McDowell. Look at that. <laughs> and I think that was complete, right? Yeah. With an so, apple in his mouth. With <laughs> so, yeah, the ball's coming back, though. All right, as we, as we consider the game, let me throw this, <laughs> let me throw this out there. Um, the Chiefs have, <laughs> have had terrible starts, right? Yeah. 24-0 to the Texans, 10-0 to the Titans, and overcame that. I think those types of things, I remember referring to this with the Royals back in 14 and 15, teams that have for lack of a better word, near-death experiences, find a sense of confidence and trust yeah. in themselves. And you know what team in this game hasn't had one of those types of games <laughs> in the playoffs? Uh, the, the Niners have just crushed crushed the Vikings and the Packers, right? Taking the games. Gave them death experiences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, does that work to the Chiefs' advantage? Can, if, if, the, if the 49ers find themselves in a position, maybe down a score or two, and um, haven't been in this place in the playoffs. These guys, 49ers haven't been there, not as a team, and players haven't been part of a comeback or a, you know, big possession in the fourth quarter. You know, better, you know, I wonder if that's a factor in this game. Well, I, I, I guess I'd say this. It, or could if, be. If you're, if, which team is better equipped to be down 14 nothing? I guess is one way to look at it. And I, I'd say that's certainly the Chiefs. I'd say it also would certainly benefit them not to be in that situation. Right. I mean, you know, the test goes, has gone up each week. I mean, I, I think they would have been harder pressed to come back from 24 nothing down against the Titans than they were against the yep. Texans. And, and I think same here again. I mean, down 10 or 14 here, I think that's okay for the Chiefs. But you get to be a three or four score game somehow. Yeah. Um, then I, I think it, it still feels different even if you've overcome your near-death experience. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, especially the way that the 49ers are. If they get up, they can run the ball so well. And they have those pass rushers too. And, and if those guys, and look, the Chiefs, I saw somebody, I think it was Bill Barnwell said like, the, the Chiefs have to set an al a reminder on their phone to run the ball. You know? so, and, and that's, that's like all the time anyway. So maybe it's not that big of a difference. But if you get those four pass rushers, you know, pin their ears back, as they say, and able to go, I think it changes things a little bit. But yeah. certainly 14 nothing down, you'd feel better about the Chiefs than you would the 49ers 14-0 down, even though both teams could do it. The 49ers are really good. All right, so another discussion. We've had plenty of time to talk sharing the house this week, <laughs> but another discussion we've had is maybe the difference. The, the game's evenly matched. The oddsmakers tell us this, and um, Sam McDowell, has a line, line hasn't moved all week, has it? No, it's still at one. The over-under line has moved to where an odds maker told me the Vegas will take a bath if this thing hits the over. It's at 54 and a half. It opened at 51. So that's, uh, I, I, I guess I expected it to, when I saw the opening, I expected it to move in that, in that direction. And a half. Hmm. So 28, 27 would, or 20, 27, 26 would under and, oh, okay. Um, I kind of expect a little bit more scoring in, in this game. I just do. We'll, we'll, we were talking about what would surprise us in this game, you know, a Mahomes pick six, it's never happened. 
that would surprise us, right? Well, Matthew picked six for our guy Vahe. That would not. Surprises. That would not surprise all. <laughs> <laughs> totally anticipated. <laughs> anticipated right. But 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 new. Right. <laughs> um, you know it. It's going to be really interesting put it out to see. There. Just put it no, out. No, no. I'm just, I'm just saying the, the, the score itself. Really, that just that is very interesting to me. I mean, obviously, it's most interesting who wins. But I mean, could something happen that makes this like the Chiefs Rams game? Um, you know, could, could in the Patriots, could, Patriots Rams, Rams or Chiefs Rams from last year? From last year, I mean, you oh, know, okay. when the, when just it just went berserk and off the rails. I, I don't think so. But you know, I, I could see it getting into the 30s for each team. Yeah. I could yeah. too. I think, I think the they, only thing that would really surprise me is a blowout, and I think either way. Yeah, yeah, me I think too. Both these teams me too. Are, are too good to be blown out. That's I think the only the Chief, thing that would surprise. I think the Chiefs' defense has improved to a point where for sure. Yeah. Just when you think about even the the the, uh, we made a point of this over the weeks that teams aren't driving the length of the field. It just happens so infrequently against the Chiefs in the playoffs and the latter part of the regular season. They they're, they're just when teams have scored, they've been short drives or special teams created turnover created uh, touchdown short drives for them. It just hasn't happened for the Chiefs. Um, all right, so let's um, let's let's talk quarterback and quarterbacks. And again, I'll refer to something I mentioned the other day. The difference in quarterback play in this game to me is the difference in the game. In a toss-up type of game, I think let's who's got the better quarterback, and I don't think there's a doubt who has the better quarterback in this game. And um, however you think of where Patrick Mahomes is rated among the NFL quarterbacks, if he's one, two, or three, he's no lower than three, right? Yeah. And wherever you think of Jimmy Garoppolo among NFL quarterbacks, 10, 11, 12, that's a disparity. I mean, that, that's a significant disparity. And I just, I don't know. I just think the team that has that big of a difference, a lead, I guess, gap in quarterback play is the team that um, would – would have to beat themselves to lose the game. Yeah, you've got Patrick Mahomes. Everything the Chiefs do runs through Patrick Mahomes. And he's got a great play caller, but he's able to make a play when the play doesn't work. The other side of it, everything Jimmy Garoppolo does to me is set up by the success in the run game and their play calling. Shanahan's a great play caller, a great play designer. They run motion more than anybody else in the NFL. And I, I feel like he's been put in a spot to succeed that a lot of quarterbacks could probably succeed in the same spot. Mahomes does it all. And I, I think he's able to do it all. Like I said, when something doesn't go right, he can still make something happen. Um, so to, to your point, and I agree with you, I, I think the quarterbacks are the reason that, that I would be yeah. leaning that the, the Chiefs are the favorite. I think Garopp Garoppolo and <laughs> – both these guys, I think, are good quarterbacks, but I, I think he's got some Alex Smith. Like, I agree. I think that's, that's sort a good of, comparison. You know, the, he's a good quarterback, but he's not going to create where there's no creation. Did that that didn't make any sense, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, th there was a video going around the other day. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was like a three-minute highlight video of like all of Jimmy Garoppolo's best throws of the season. Did you guys see this? It was three minutes. Three minutes. It was minutes? like all play action. Right. <laughs> Guy is wide open down the field. You know what I mean? Like you watch three minutes of Patrick Mahomes' best plays and you're just going to be shaking your head. I mean, that's and look, like that's not Kyle Shanahan will scheme some guys open. Like sure George will. Kittle will be wide open a couple times like you down the middle of the field. Wide open. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. flat. And they, they this is another thing and I think I'm getting my columns mixed up. I think this will be up later today. Um, the, the Chiefs defense, part of their improvement, I think, has been uh, th they talk a lot about, like, we need to trust each other, you know? And, and there's a lot of little nuances about what that means, but that particular characteristic is going to be tr 
tested against the 49ers more than any other game this season because of all that motion that you just mentioned, the, the, the play action. They'll have plays where, uh, you know, the fullback or the tight end break to the right just as a, like a deke, and then they come back to the left yep. as a lead blocker. And the Chiefs need to, you know, be assignment sound, all those things, to not chase that because now it's coming the other way. That's right. Steve Spagnuolo told me yesterday that, and as silly as it sounds, they've got to play with their eyes more than they've ever played with their eyes in, in a game because yep. pre-snap reads are yep. just, you got to know where everybody is and where they can go and where yep. they can be. Tyron Matthew mentioned that as well before they left for Miami. And then when I talked to him, he said the, the key thing is because it, it does play with the running game don't fall for all the eye candy, yep. as he calls it. and then So their eyes have to be trained. And you're right, Sam, they, they have to be fundamentally sound up front. Don't fall for any of that stuff. Just one other quick thing about the Mahomes Garoppolo. I, I think that there's, it's indisputable that Patrick's the more dynamic, better, whatever any term you want to apply. But I think the thing that's going to matter in the end is Garoppolo's capability of executing what they try to do, right? And it's in the context of their offense that that's what matters most. I mean. If, if the Chiefs can break that up, whether it's with, you know, understanding the eye candy or disrupting any, any uh, passing, then, then that's perfect. But I think that'll be the measure. How, how effectively can he execute what they try to do? Because if he can, then it doesn't really matter that he's not that, you know, as dynamic as Patrick. They'll, they'll get a lot of points. Yeah. All right. So we have reached that time in the show where uh, the rubber meets the road. This is where we identify the player... Uh, that we believe needs to come up big, will come up big for the Chiefs to succeed. I can't remember who we took before the AFC Championship game. <laughs> you didn't write it down? I you certainly remember the week before. Because, yeah, <laughs> those things come and go in my memory. Uh, <laughs> so it obviously wasn't me. So, um, uh, but let's, uh, so yeah, for the last time this year, we're going to do this. And uh, Herbie, what do you think? Wait, do we have the Mahomes exemption? Is that? No, no, but well, listen, Mahomes and. <laughs> everybody, okay. right, yeah. So everybody can take credit for Mahomes when he's the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, but, so it's Mahomes and who needs to come up big? And there will not, not be a bonus question. This, this, is, uh, you know, this is Super Bowl level. So this must be a thought-provoking response? That's right. <laughs> I, I, I was tempted to really go with Tyron Matthew, but I know that's Vahe's guy. It's taken, right. So I'm, I'm going to stay in the defensive secondary, and I'm, I'm going to go back to Daniel Sorensen. This is the second straight week that I'm going to dip into the well there, and then there are a couple of reasons why. Since the playoffs started, he's played every single snap on the back end of coverage, AFC Divisional game and then a championship game, and it's because of the, the opponents that they've been facing. And this is the kind of matchup that sets up well for Matthew, as well as Sorensen. Both of them led the team in tackles during the championship game because they were playing a run-heavy type offense. You got the 49ers here. The 49ers are going to run the ball. And then they also have a physical tight end in George Kittle. We didn't talk about him enough, but we Kittle, we, Kittle we is a physical guy. And it's going to take those guys at the safety position to really contain the 49ers. All right, do we have to ask, Fahe? You do have to ask because... <laughs> I'm gonna, I think I've gone with this a time or two, and, and actually I think I did have it the week before the, the Texans game, but it, it wasn't as much as I envisioned, but I, um, McCole Hardman, only... I, I, hold on, I could have taken Matthew? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. You want a do-over? We're all gonna want do-overs probably, but, but, I, but the, the, my, my thought on McCole Hardman is, I don't, I don't think he's gonna get a, a ton of touches, but the guy averages like 30 t yards every time he gets a ball, and I think Andy Reid's gonna be able to scheme it up it, to 
there's going to be so much, so much heat on on uh, Hill and Kelsey and probably Watkins. I just think there's got to be some sort of release valve that somebody else. And I think, I mean, I can't believe I still get surprised by Hardman's explosiveness, but it's unbelievable. I mean, he's he's right there with Tyree Kill. And I, I just think that they're going to have some uh, alternate routes going here that are going to involve him. And he could, I think he could still, he could also make another special teams uh, play. You know, it's funny, Dave Tobe is the special teams coordinator. The last time he coached in the Super Bowl was with the Bears, and they opened the game with a uh, Devin Hester's uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. I, I don't know that that bears any uh, influence on this game, but, it, but I think and, Hardman will play a role. And went on to lose the game. And went on to lose the game, okay. yeah. All right, Sam Mack. Um, to comment on, on Herbie's pick, I actually think that... Uh, whoa, 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 we're commenting on other guys' picks now? <laughs> I think the 49ers look at Daniel Sorensen and think maybe that's a guy they can try and take advantage of a little bit. I think Juan Thornhill's going to be more missed in this game than he yeah, was in the last two totally games. Totally agree. Um, but I'm going to go with Chris Jones because I think where the Chiefs have an advantage defensively is on the interior line. And the way you can disrupt play action, motion, all that stuff is up the middle of the field. So to me, Chris Jones has to have a big game for, for the Chiefs defense to execute well. All right, well, to comment on Sam's... Uh, do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, one thing about, because I was either going to go Chris or the guy I'm going to go with. Uh, Chris needs to, it's, it's critical for him to make the right risks. You know, because right in the middle of that line of scrimmage, He's gonna. The, the the 49ers run a lot of traps. They run a lot of mm-hmm. you know sort of eye candy. Uh, they actually and, play two backs in the backfield to do that yeah. stuff, which a lot of teams aren't doing anymore. And and one thing about Chris, I mean, he can beat the guy in front of him, but sometimes he takes a risk that pays off, but sometimes it doesn't, and he leaves you know the guys behind him a little bit exposed. So he needs to take the the right kinds of risk. Um, but since he went with him. And in the in the tradition of not really answering the question, <laughs> uh, Rick Holder, I will go, <laughs> I will go with uh, Eric Fisher as a sort of representative <laughs> representation <laughs> of the, the pass protection because the pass protection has been great the last month six six weeks. But I, I feel like I don't want to say the only way, but the 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 most logical way that the 49ers can beat the Chiefs to me is if those four pass rushers just maul, just beat the crap out of the Chiefs offensive line. And uh, I I think Mitchell Schwartz is the best or second best right tackle in football. And so I'm just using Eric Fisher as the guy on the other end. If if they can keep Mahomes clean, um, I think the Chiefs are gonna score a lot of points. But if there's a lot of pressure, I think that's when you can not stop the Chiefs, but at least slow them down a little bit. I'm a little concerned that pressure comes from up the middle where it's yep. a little bit you know, softer f- yep. for the Chiefs. And to the Chris Jones point, I, I, that's who I was thinking about too, because I, I think the pressure that Chris Jones can apply is the best way to disrupt play action and just kind of force Garoppolo into doing something he's not comfortable doing. Yeah. He can, that's where he can throw a pick. That's mm-hmm. where Taran Matthew or Daniel Sorensen can step in and, and, and make a play. But um, in the spirit of not repeating our picks, I'm going to say Travis Kelsey, just because he's been hearing all week about how he is, you know, going up against the best tight end in the NFL. Travis Kelsey strikes me as the kind of guy that takes that stuff personally. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. And yes. I wouldn't be surprised if, let's just say, I don't think the game is going to start with a third and six drop on the first series. <laughs> oh, I was going to say it will, but then he'll end up with 14 <laughs> catches for, you know. That's right. Well, that may be best for the Chiefs. He does drop the first one. That's worked out well for the Chiefs the last yeah, couple sure of weeks. Is. All right, guys, uh, that pool is inviting. We're about an hour from the ocean, so... Uh, one way or the other, I think we're going to get wet today, maybe late this afternoon. 
We really do uh, enjoy doing this. We, we love bringing it to you. Thanks for your comments and questions. Thanks to... <laughs> <laughs> Good sound effects there <laughs> by our engineer. <laughs> Thanks to Herbie, Vahe, Sam, Sam, myself, for Pete Gradhoff, Tammy Youngblood, Jill Toyashiba was here also helping produce. We will talk to you again sometime after Super Bowl 54. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producers Derek Donovan and Randy Mason for producing the podcast. And to Tammy Youngblood and Jill Toyashiba for producing the Sportsbeat KC. And to Pete Gradhoff for tossing us the football. Next time we chat, we'll know who has won Super Bowl 54, and we look forward to that discussion. Talk to you then.